Hi, everyone. This is Danielle from Are You Listening? We don't have either of our regular hosts, Mish or Asan, with us today. Um, hopefully, we'll have them back soon. But today's update on bargaining, we'll have Alex Adams and Sarah DeGeorgis. Could you guys introduce yourselves? Hi, everybody. I'm Alex Adams. I was a PhD candidate in the Department of Biology on the Rutgers North campus. I recently defended in March. So I'm leaving. I was the first uh, grad vice president for our union. I'm currently the vice chair of our bargaining team. I'm Sarah DeGeorgis. I'm going into my fifth year in Camden in public policy. I have been on the graduate steering committee for going into my third year, and I am also on the bargaining committee as the grad worker representative. Last week, we had Maria Garth come and give us a quick rundown of where we were with questions about COVID-impacted grad extension funding through bargaining sessions and where that went with our last bargaining meeting. So would you guys give us a quick rundown of where you see the issue and what happened this week? So just to, as quickly as possible, recap what the situation is. We had this program that the union helped implement a huge extension program for grads that were running out of funding that had not been able to complete their degrees because they had faced major delays in degree pro uh, progress because of COVID for a variety of reasons. They couldn't travel to field sites. They couldn't get into labs because the university shut down any number of reasons because of stuff that happened to them personally. They got COVID. They had increased childcare needs. People in their families, their loved ones got sick, all kinds of stuff. But that program didn't meet the need for everybody. There were some people that weren't eligible for the program at the time. There are some people that did get some amount of funding from the program, but it wasn't enough. Um, there are some people that continue to have delays in progress because there are still surges that keep happening that are happening right now, right? There are still people that can't travel to places that they need to, that can't get to archives. So we knew that there was still going to be a problem in, you know, December and January and February of this year, right? That there was still going to be some number of grads that were going to run out of funding at the end of this academic year and that programs were not going to be able to meet their needs and to be able to offer another semester or another year of funding for everybody that was going to need it that was going to meet the end of their funding packages. So what we proposed in February to Rutgers administration was a really simplified version of this previous program, which was another year of funding for every, every grad that was running out of their funding at the end of this academic year, the 21-22 academic year including all of the stuff, the right. uh, tuition remission, fee remission, the healthcare package, all of that. So prioritizing the people that we knew were going to run out of funding at the end of this academic year. And also noting that we knew there were going to be people who had received funding from the previous program. Um, so, so noting they weren't that. finished, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, but that we anticipated that was going to be a much smaller percentage. But like those people still needed the funding to get them to the end of their degrees. 
And when we did meet with people from the administration, they acknowledged that they were aware that there are some number of grads that were in this position, but not to worry about it. There was no need for, for any other centrally funded program because they had talked to the provosts and chancellors and this was being taken care of on a unit by unit basis <laughs> at the local level. Yeah. So the implication of this is that uh, like every individual school on like the Camden campus, North campus, New Brunswick campus um, has, has an area dean and then chancellor and provost that theoretically has some pocket of money that they can then just like provide that source of funding to programs and departments that would take care of this. The problem is that that's not, that doesn't really appear to be true, right? And we were pretty sure of this at the time. And so what we, what we did was we started sending up surveys to grad program directors and to grads to say, are you going to run out of funding this year? And have you spoken to your advisor, your grad program director to, to find out whether or not you'll, you'll be able to get an additional source of funding uh, such that you'll have funding through the end of your degree. And, you know, you don't ever reach everybody through a survey. Um, but at that time, it was looking like something like 100 people yeah. uh, of like, you know, I, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but like of a minimal number of people that filled out the survey. Right. Um, and can I yeah. interrupt you for just Go a ahead. second to remind our listeners, like if you get an invitation to a survey, <laughs> please know we're not just trying to bug you for data for no reason. It's always for something connected to us trying to figure out a way to to help people's condition. So if you see one, please take it. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, that's okay. So, I mean, before, and I won't go on much longer, but this, so this was like very, very early on, you know, March or something like that. So that was a very, very preliminary number from a, a super uh, preliminary survey that only so many people had filled out. And I was like, okay, there's clearly a need here that it's not being met on the local level. So this is a major concern because that's that's a number that like, a need that could very clearly like easily be met but is a serious concern that that is a a large number of grads who will if they run out of funding not be able to complete the degree because these fellowships or ta lines or ga lines are a primary source of income for people that are trying to get a phd because that's all of your time and energy for most people right and it has to be if you're writing your dissertation, right? It like, has to be if you're writing. Your and for all of us, I'm not sure how it works for every d individual department, but on average, we've had some people in the union calculate exactly what the cost is if you're paying out of pocket to continue matriculation as a PhD student to work towards a completed dissertation. And it's between six and $7,500 a year, um, depending on if you're in-state, out-of-state and some sort of small nominal things, but that is not an insubstantial amount of money to come up with in addition to living expenses if you have to pay to finish your dissertation. Right. So that's where I was looking in the beginning. And now, of course, a lot of time has passed and some more data collection has taken place. And really the, the obstacle here was that the university can collect 
actually much more accurate data from departments and from students if if they want to and if they're trying to such that we can actually figure out who needs more funding where the need actually is and how we need it and the obstacle here is that seemingly uh they they don't want to do that right is that but, the most important takeaway from our last meet from our last bargaining session that they essentially said that they were not going to rethink the way they were collecting their data i would say that 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 is correct and thank you for doing that danielle because i think that we can now really uh flip to exactly where where we are in this moment um and sarah do you do you want to talk more about yeah well yeah so i think that's um a really good point danielle and that's really what they've been like showing us this entire time to add to what alex was saying before is that right the kind of just the basic idea of this is that COVID interrupted research, which we obviously know happened, but that has been something that management has just been unwilling to acknowledge, right? For, for grads, for graduates, for students. grads, for right. full-time faculty, for they had a two-year extension on tenure clock. Athletes also um, got extended. So it's yeah. not like we're even asking for something crazy, right? We're literally asking for what Rutgers has already acknowledged in other parts. So this is a completely reasonable thing to ask for. And Rutgers has just completely said no from the beginning. And so the way that they've gone about collecting their data, right, and in making us do a lot of work ourselves also, is really just showing that they really just want this to go away. They want to like push it and push it until it goes away. And I think that's also what was really clear from this past bargaining session was you know, we were trying to push them for a timeline, right? You know, the academic year is over and we know that the fall semester is starting very soon. And they were just completely unwilling to commit to any sort of timeline, even though this is someone's livelihood, this is someone's job. You can't just leave them hanging until the semester starts or even two weeks before the semester starts or even a month, right? I mean, like, how do you plan? How do you pay your bills? How do you register for classes? Um, yeah, so like that. Uh, our international students, international grads, this has extra impacts, right? Because they need to be part of a program in order to maintain visas. So the fact that they keep dragging their heels on this has some pretty severe implications. So can you guys talk a little bit about what we think our next steps are? As far as how we're going to be handling next moves in bargaining, what does this mean for us moving forward that they are still refusing to recognize it or set a deadline for themselves? <laughs> I think it's a hard question, I know. I'm sorry. I don't mean to put you guys on the spot, but. No, 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 that's okay. So just to um, uh, sort of fill in a, a gap here, one one piece of data that we did finally get from the university on Monday as a result of a formal information request that I had to put in to get this um, is an updated list or a supposedly updated list of non-reappointments that the university mm -hmm. sent out. So um, just for um, everyone listening, uh, the university sends out what is ultimately an equivalent of pink slips to graduate students. So you don't really formally get fired as a, a graduate employee at the university. What you get is a notice of non-reappointment. I got one this year. 
<laughs> so the way that this works is that you know, even when you when you graduate, um, if you were on a TA or GA appointment, you you get a letter that says you you have been non reappointed right. from your previous appointment. Uh huh. And similarly, if you're moving from a TA or GA appointment onto a fellowship, you get one of these letters. You also get one of these if you're being fired. And it yeah. all says the same thing. Which, Which makes it imp impossible for us to do things like go on unemployment or something like that, because a non-reappointment letter just looks like anything, any other kind of non-reappointment, right? Like there is no yeah. firing officially as a result. Yeah. So it, it is like, you know, it, by design, really, uh, to, to make it more difficult and also to make it more difficult to parse through this yeah. information. So what I have really is a list of names and what they've done over time is withhold this a bit and I mean to to my mind and whittle it down in a way I think to be helpful because I think they understand that what I am trying to figure out is how many people there are that still are without funding. Although when I tried to address that in our last session, they denied that that is what I am looking at when I look at the number of people on this list. So that is why I say I believe that is the withholding part of this. So that's what I have is a list of people. And from my own further uh, whittling away at this list to remove people that I know are graduating, um, it, it still is about 230 people that would appear to have been fired just in, in one season. And having having done this work before to check in with grads to make sure that Rutgers is not doing mass layoffs from year to year, as I do um, in my position as, as grad vice president, um, that, that, that number is usually close to zero. So 230 is an astoundingly high number. Um, so we do need to do some amount of outreach to try to understand the situation yeah. of some of these people. I mean, some of them are confirmed because mm -hmm. I have talked to some people already um, just within the last couple of days because I was horrified yeah. when I saw this list um, because that's that's a lot of people. And I, I hope it's not true. I, I hope that, that that is an inflated number. I hope that that is the case and that it will continue to be updated and that more information will come in from Central and that that number ends up being really small and that there is a need that can be met. That is, that is my hope um, because right now it's big. <laughs> um, yeah. That's part of it is we, we need to be able to understand what the need is here because the university has not seemingly tried to do that in any yeah. sufficient way. Um, so that's that's one piece. One of the things that, you know, we'll be asking of our listeners or viewers in case you're watching this on YouTube, we'll have a link um, where you're listening or watching this to be able to respond to uh, a call for testimonials. If this is an experience that you're having and you want to share your story with us, we'd love that. You'll be able to record a, a message. And if you decide you'd like to have that shared in audio files, you can be on our next update. If not, you can just leave us a message and it'll be turned into text. Um, let us know what you're comfortable with. But also, there will be links to be able to reach out to the union. So if you are one of the people on our list, someone may be contacting you just to double check and see how it is that you're being funded or not being why you might not be funded. But if you are not contacted, if you're if you're being cut off of funding, please let us know because we're trying to find out more about 
what the university might not be finding on purpose or accidentally. And then additionally, we'll have updates on sessions for people to come observe as part of our larger bargaining team in coming weeks. So if that's something that you'd like to be part of, we'd also love to have more people present for that. Um, is there any other asks that you guys can think of at present? One thing that we we have um, discussed, we did a little bit um, just before we hopped on here. I it, This is one thing that I will not make an explicit ask because it is a very difficult thing to do. Um, but I do think that it is a... It is a powerful thing to be able to give testimony and like definitely as you know, Danielle can speak to this better than anybody as she has been collecting the testimonials that that people have left in, in various forms. Um, but we have had a number of people speak as part of our extended team at bargaining. Um, but I, and no one should feel obligated to do that. But if anyone is listening to this and would be interested in speaking about their experience at the table um we're we you should definitely reach out to us we would definitely be interested in hearing from you and talking yeah. about the possibility of doing that yeah, absolutely thanks alex I'll, I'll make sure that there is a link for the are you listening email and also the union email for either one of those if you'd like to join for bargaining and maybe tell our administration what you feel <laughs> about your current situation um so sarah did you have anything you wanted to end on I was going to talk about like the shame that Rutgers puts on grad students. For <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like, um, you know, we've talked a lot about like their bad data, but this one of their questions was like, have, has, a, have the grads, has a grad student come, you know, to ask you for more funding, right? Just a complete um, either like misunderstanding if I'm, for being nice or um you know shameful uh sort of like targeting of the like that putting the onus on the grad students um which is obviously not how that relationship works right and um just so clearly made to skew the data in such a way uh that yeah yeah we're not thought we're not trained to think of ourselves as workers to come up and say hey I'd actually like an additional year on this project instead we're meant to feel that we're sort of apprentices and wait to be bestowed things upon right um so I think a lot of people who might be in dire situations uh, yeah are facing that feeling or are feeling guilty or shameful about not having been able to finish at this point and so wouldn't ask even if they desperately needed it um and that yep yeah, absolutely that's a, a major thing we're trying to combat with a lot of the a lot of the conversations we've been having here. So thank you for pointing that out. Can I actually read you this question really? Yes. Please. I do think that this is an important point yeah. and one that as, as Sarah has already pointed out um, and that, that you already have mentioned as well, Danielle, um, that most definitely skewed this data to such a point that it has put the burden on the union and really the graduate students that are doing the bulk of this organizing and now data collection to understand and find a solution to this problem because the university has refused to do so yeah. right um because the question asked and this is one that was sent to my understanding although i cannot no matter how many times i i pose it about any part of this get a direct answer 
to it. Um, from what I understand, this was sent to graduate program directors primarily. This is a question about graduate students. And again, mind you, they will not contact graduate students directly to ask or consider anything. Anyway, yeah. um, did this individual previously come forward and advise they need support or additional funding for academic year 2022-2023 due to the negative impact of COVID? So this implies that the individual came to the graduate program director and advised them yep. that they needed funding support for next year explicitly yeah. due to the impacts of COVID. Yeah. As though this is a normal interaction in any way. That would be expected to come from them. Yeah. Uh, but not from our advisors who know our work, not from any, but specifically from the grad student, right? And I, I just want to flag, I think it's really important to say that we've had a lot of great supporters in GPDs around this issue. Um, I actually had that email forwarded to me by a GPD who said that they responded to that email by flagging that the way that they phrased that question meant that they, as a GPD, had they not been aware of the situation, would have misunderstood what they were asking, that they were they were aware as a GPD that the way they were phrasing it was intending to kind of cut out or at least was cutting out a certain amount of like awareness without it having to be directly related to a student having requested something. So our GPDs are um, largely a lot of them on our side on this. And I just wanted to say that it's been important to hear that from from people in that position. It's it's not it's uh, yeah, we're not alone. Yeah. But I do yeah. I do want to add that I know programs that got like threatening emails also that said, if you're not making your progress, if you're not hitting your milestones, you're not going to get you know, yeah. more funding. And there no, no recognition of COVID, nothing, just this email that came out in like April, I think, like early yeah. April, you know, like not recognizing it at all. So I'm not sure how someone after getting an email like that is supposed to then like, be like, oh, wait, actually. Right. That's just not at all recognized. And if anyone is not familiar with this issue more broadly, we have two other possible resources to listen to or read. Obviously, you've been getting emails about this. Um, so keep an eye out for those. There's updates on the website. The Are You Listening podcast has an episode with the Graduate School of Education grads who were facing this situation and who have since been able to resist and actually get funding for the majority of them. And also we have our previous bargaining update on this issue from last week. Um, I just really want to thank you both so much for helping spell out um, this situation. Thanks so much for having us, Danielle. Yeah, Thanks. Danielle. I'm so glad you guys came. Thanks for the update. And we'll certainly have more of them. I know this issue is far from over, so. Yeah, it seems like we should probably just plan to do this every semi-regularly next week we'll be talking to ptls about fractional appointment but um but i think we'll have regular we'll have regular updates on COVID extension funding for grads as well and i hope people participate further because one of the things we talk about here all the time is that the only way that we're going to actually move forward is by making sure that bargaining spaces are representative of what members they're willing to put out in public and talk about themselves. Um, so please come, please talk to us, share your testimonials, either for either through social media, through this space, or please come to bargaining if you're willing to do that there too, because we're all in this together and it's the only way we're going to get out of it. So please keep coming back.